We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's a heavy study. You know, that's one of the cool things about teaching through the Bible is you don't choose. If it was up to me, I would always choose love messages, man, grace messages, easy messages. But um, tonight is one of those messages where God uh, just, he judges the nation. I mean, think about it, man. Women getting raped. You know, I mean, young guys, old guys. I mean, the old guys, they're all handicapped. They're all weak. But the Babylonian army, they come in and they just tear them up. They burn down God's temple. I mean, they just thrash God's people, Israel. And, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard lesson. But for us, um, you know, I think we got to think about this for our country. You know, for the United States of America, you know, I mean, if things don't change, we are killing so many babies every single day, every day. I mean, I, I don't think God is like just, you know, oblivious to this. He sees that. In the Old Testament, they would take the babies and they would warm up the arms of Molech, that God and uh, that false God. And then they would put the babies in the arms and that was their form of abortion. Um, but that's what we're doing now. And you see all the things that are going on in the world. Not to sound, uh, um, I don't want to sound like uh, like someone's going to call me a hater or something, you know. But I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And today I was uh, waiting for my son, so I was studying in Starbucks. And uh, I tell you what, man, I was outnumbered by the Muslims in Starbucks today. And I was like, wow, Lord, this is uh, this is changing, isn't it? You know, the world that we're living in. And not, again, we love everybody. Don't get me wrong. And hopefully they'll come in and, you know, we can actually share Jesus with them and get saved. But what was happening in Israel was that kind of stuff. I mean, the babies were getting killed. I mean, homosexuality was rampant. Um, perversion. We're talking sex with animals. I mean, just crazy things were going on. And then um, that's all the idols were coming into the land. This is at one time, you know, God's people. And so the day finally came where they had crossed the line. And so God had to judge um, Israel. And, you know, um, I love my country. I thank God. I mean, I trip out. I don't know if you guys saw any of you here see the harvest on Sunday night. I mean, Harvest America was amazing. 100,000 people there. In Texas, I'm like, wow, there's still some Christians here, you know, and we had it here. And so it's like, man, Lord, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people in, in, in our country that love you, Jesus, but there's a lot that don't. So how are we going to, our country needs to be judged, so what's going to happen? And, and the answer is just so perfect, the rapture, huh? All the right-on Christians get taken out, and God's got to take care of business here in this country. And that's why America is not in the the prophecies of the last days. Because God is going to judge America. One of the things you can take to the bank when you study the Bible, you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, God always judges the nations. He always judges them on earth. Moab, Edom, Egypt, I mean Israel, Judah. I mean you just go down the list. He judges every single nation. On earth, and he'll do the same thing when he comes back the second time. 
Every single nation will be judged on earth. Now, individuals won't. Some people, they, they live a great life and they... And they, you know, they're, they're, they're wicked, they're dishonest, they don't believe in Jesus, but they're rich, they die in their sleep, and it seems like they got away with it, but they get judged after they die. Um, so that happens sometimes to people, but individuals are different than nations. Nations will all be judged on earth. And so for us, in this chapter tonight, I'm thinking a lot of it, I'm thinking about United States of America and I'm praying for a revival. Because if not, then the things that we're reading here are, are going to be things that we're going to see happen to this country. And, you know, maybe you're older here and you're like, well, I'll probably die before it happens. We well, you know what? That's not cool, man. What about your kids? What about your grandchildren? You know, what this nation was so great at one time. This nation loved Jesus. I mean, you look at the the way that the founding fathers, scriptures everywhere. I'm not saying they were all Christians, but man, they loved the Lord. This nation was great. And they were focused. And then what happens? The things that we allow to, to come in. And so, look at this chapter right here in Second Chronicles 36. And it says in verse 1, Then the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Now the king of Egypt deposed him at Jerusalem, and he imposed on the land a tribute of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. Now the nation of Israel had kind of already been on the decline, okay? but Josiah... He was an awesome king. He was an awesome leader. Imagine what would happen to our country if we had an awesome leader. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, imagine that, you guys. I mean, it's hard to, to even visualize the possibility of that happening, you know. But, you know, maybe you should run for president. You know, one of you guys here. Man, I don't know. But, I mean, what a difference when the leader loves the Lord, right? Josiah was right on. But we're going to see today three of his sons, they weren't. And we begin with this guy right here, Jehoahaz. He's the son of Josiah. You know, he's only 23 years old when he becomes king. And he reigns for only three months. And so that's not a long time, right? But if you want to write this down, you can cross-reference 2 Kings 23, 32. It says, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so whenever God's people turn away from God, then they make themselves, you got to know this, very, very vulnerable. They lose their direction and they lose their protection. When you do evil in the sight of the Lord and you can't hide your sin then you lose direction, and then you begin to lose protection. Okay? That's what happened with this guy. So the king of Egypt, who uh, the book of Second Kings identifies as Pharaoh Necho, it says right here in verse 3, deposed him. And that means to remove from office suddenly and forcefully. And so most of you believe that the people of the land, they set up Jehoahaz uh, under the impression that he would kind of defend Israel against Egypt. Because uh, if you study history, you'll find that Pharaoh Necho had just killed Josiah. 
And so, uh, you know, Josiah was a great king. They put this guy up there. They're thinking, well, maybe he can defend us, right? He's anti-Egypt. And so um, they put him as king, but the, they had no power. They were weak. They were feeble. They were impotent. They could not do anything to stop Egypt from just coming on in, taking that king down, and then they put up a, a new king. And Jehoahaz, this guy right here, was then carried off to Egypt. We see that in verse 4, we'll see. And then he was put in prison there, according to Second Kings 23, verse 33. And then verse 34 of that chapter says that he died in Egypt. And so we read next in verse 4, Then the king of Egypt made Jehoahaz's brother Eliakim king over Judah, and Jerusalem, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. And Necho took Jehoahaz, his brother, and carried him off to Egypt. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And notice this, he did evil in the sight of the Lord as God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against him and bound him in bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried off some of the articles from the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim, the abominations which he did, and what was found against him, indeed they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And then Jehoiachin, or Kin, his son, reigned in his place. And so we're kind of just going through these guys real quick. Um... This guy right here, Eliakim, he's also the son of Josiah. He was placed in power now by the king of Egypt, who changed his name. He changed his name to Jeho Jehoiakim. Now, this is interesting. This is interesting. You know, why did he change his name? You know, um, Eliakim, his original name, uh, it means whom God will raise up. Whom God will raise up. But for some reason, the Egyptian king changes the Judah king to Jehoiakim. And you want to know what that means? It means whom Jehovah heals. Whom Jehovah heals. Now, why would the Egyptian king change his name to that, whom Jehovah heals? You want to know why? It's because God was trying to speak to them. You know, we're going to see that they get judged, they get spanked, they get trancasos, they get disciplined. God didn't want to do that to them, though. God just said, you guys are all messed up, right? You're, you're thrashed, but I want to heal you. I want to heal you. And I can kind of see him saying that to our nation. I, I would love to heal you. Whom Jehovah heals. Right. And, and, you know, when you read that right there, it's so cool um, that that evil ruler from Egypt would actually, you know, be a vessel that God would speak through and change their king's name to whom Jehovah heals. There is that truth, how God wanted to heal this nation. You know, the living God wanted to heal them, even here speaking to them through a pagan king. And this man had a message uh, for a nation to change. You know, your name, Eliakim, it means whom God raises up, right? We don't want to raise you up, though, Eliakim. Um, we want to change your name because we want to change the nation. 
And you know, what's true for a nation uh, nationally is true for us individually. I mean, you know, praise God you guys are here on a, on a Thursday night. But I'll bet you all of us in one sense we could say, I want, I want to change. I want more of the Lord in my life. You know, because the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. And he's been pointing things out to me that, that need to change and that, that even need healing. And if you turn to the Lord, He'll heal you. He wants to heal you, right? And that's that spiritual healing that God is giving to His nation. We're going to see as we go through this whole thing, man, all the way to the very end, God is still speaking. It reminds me of Judas. You know how Judas had it in his heart to betray Jesus. And you know what? The Lord just kept reaching out to him, kept reaching out to him. I mean, I wouldn't have watched Judas' feet. Any of you here, if you knew that Judas was going to betray you, let him rot, you know? I mean, I mean, the Lord is so amazing how he was reaching out to him. He puts his bread right there. I mean, who are you going to give food to? He gives it to Judas here. You want some? Judas, oh, yeah. He just grabs it, right? And the Lord's like, man, can't you see me reaching out to you? I know, and he's prophesying to them, telling them that the Lord knows about this whole betrayal thing. I mean, even to the very end, when Judas gives him a kiss, Jesus said to him, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss. Even when after it all happened and the conviction came upon his heart, that's still God trying to reach him. You know, maybe you're here today and God is trying to reach you. He loves you. The conviction is supposed to bring you to that place of surrender. You know, don't be like Judas. He didn't run to Christ. He didn't run to God. He didn't repent. He went and hung himself. You see, that's what happens when we don't accept the, the way that the Lord wants to reach us. You know, he wants to heal us. You know, he doesn't hang us. We hang ourselves. That's what Israel did. The Lord here changes his name. He, he wants to heal them. You know, um, it was a, a political move on Pharaoh's part, but it was a spiritual move on, on the Father's heart, heart. I want you guys to know there's still hope. There's still hope, you know. This guy right here, Jehoiakim, he's only 25 years old when he became king, and this guy reigned 11 years. But again, rather than going the route of holiness that would have led to healing, we read those words there again in verse 5. Notice at the end, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But did you notice it said, His God. You know, not all of them say that. He did evil in the sight of the Lord God. This one says, His God. I mean, there's kind of like an inference there that he was a believer. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, His God. You know, for us as Christians, you know, we should, we should hate sin. We should hate it. We should run from it. We should never speak an evil word to our spouse or to our children. We should never let any, any evil thoughts lodge within us. You know, we, we got to guard everything, every look. You know, I, I go and I, I, as a guy, you know, guys have the temptation to maybe do a double look at a girl. And from what I understand, I was talking to a guy in his 70s the other day. He saw, yeah, even I struggle with that. So don't think you're going to grow out of it. But, you know, don't do that. 
don't do that. You defile yourself when you do that. You got to keep your eyes clean and pure because he's your God. You know, so here's this guy. He's doing evil in the sight of the Lord, his God. You know, things like this we're going to see can happen even to believers. Believers need to be behaviors, okay, you guys? Let's do good instead of bad. Let's do what's right in his sight. Every day, every day you take up your cross, you deny yourself, and you follow him. Every day, every moment you walk circumspectly, knowing that, you know, those sins, I mean, they break his heart. So don't duplicate the disobedience of Jehoiakim. During his reign, we see right here, the king of Babylon came up against him and carried him away. Notice it says right there, in bronze fetters. Look again in verse 6, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against him, bound him in bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. Bronze is symbolic of judgment. And so the nation was being judged. You know, you get more details in Second Kings 24, verses uh, 1 through 4. Let's turn there real quick, you guys, if you would. Second Kings 24, it says, In his days, in verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. And then he, Jehoiakim, turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him raiding bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, bands of the people of Ammon. He sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servants, the prophets. I mean, God was just, he was really trying to get their attention, you know. It says, surely, at verse 3, at the commandment of the Lord, this came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also because of the sins, because of the innocent blood that, that he had shed. For he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Now, you know, Manasseh's reign was crazy. It was filled with worship to the God of Molech. Innocent blood was shed in the nation. You know, and for us, again, I, I want to make it clear that abortion is not the unforgivable sin. But you got to know it's murder. And, uh, and if that's something that's happened to you in the past, you know, let, you let the blood of Jesus wash it clean. He doesn't remember it. He buries it, and he'll never bring it up again. But our nation, our nation is guilty of innocent blood. You know, from what I understand, uh, every day in, uh, in the United States of America, nearly 50% of all pregnancies are unintended, and 40% of those uh, unintended pregnancies are terminated by abortion. So you know what that means? Just in our country, three thousand babies die every single day so at the end of the day 22 percent think about this 22 percent of all pregnancies end in abortion that's how we know that our our nation 
is going to be judged unless something happens. You know, and uh, we got issues now with the Supreme Court justices and who's going to be appointed and who's going to be our president. I tell you what, we got a lot of things to pray about. And we have a lot of reason to live the life. Because it's only when we live the life will there be hope for our nation, for our children, for our grandchildren. What are we giving to them? Our, our nation is in, is, in, is in big trouble. If you go back to Second Chronicles 36, it gets even worse. You know, they, they put this guy, Jehoiakim, and he uh, says in verse 9, was 8 years old. That's probably supposed to be 18 years old when he became king. And, uh, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. There it is again. At the turn of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned him and took him to Babylon with the costly articles made from the house of the Lord and made Zedekiah, Jehoiakim's brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem. And so now you got this guy, Jehoiakim, also known as Jeconiah. He becomes king. And again, more than likely, he was 18, not 8. Uh, scribal era there in Chronicles. And uh, again, it was a reign that didn't last very long uh, because we read those familiar words. He did evil in the sight of the Lord in verse 9. And so King Nebuchadnezzar uh, summoned him to Babylon. And so this guy was taken to Babylon. He would survive uh, but he would be in prison for 37 years. Imagine that. And, uh, and then uh, history tells us, Second Kings 25, 27 through 30, that he was eventually brought out of prison and allowed to have a little bit of freedom. They gave him a ration for the rest of his life. But um, as these guys continue to do evil, ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit, Ignoring the warnings of uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and even even Daniel, you know what you find is that the Babylonians came against Israel or Judah three times in 605, in 597, and then the last time in 586. The first time that they took people away, Daniel went with them. The second time in 597, Ezekiel went with them, and so. All these godly men, right, are, are, are sharing. Jeremiah is sharing. And other prophets are warning them, warning them about the judgment of God. And they just, they just would not listen until finally this is the last king that they have, really, until Jesus. We read here in verse 10, At the turn of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned him, took him to Babylon with the costly articles from the house of the Lord and made Zedekiah, Jehoiakim's brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet. Notice this, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. I mean, it was like Jeremiah was like talking like anointed, you know, warnings. I mean, it was from God, right? And he just, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing, right? 
he also says in verse 13, rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed, notice, more and more according to all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. So we finally come to uh, the last king. His name is Zedekiah. They would have governors, but this is the last king. And he's made king by the Babylonians. And uh, another thing that's kind of interesting about this is that his name was also changed by the rulers. Um, you read in Second Kings chapter 24, verse 17, it says, Then the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. And so it's weird how these pagan rulers are, are changing their names to, to Jewish things. It's, it's kind of weird. You guys remember Daniel, when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember their names were changed? Their names were changed to uh, Babylonian names. But for whatever reason here, these pagan kings are changing their names to Jewish names that really i think what was happening was was god was speaking to them you know and i don't know about you guys you know again i think for us it really hits home uh when we study this nationally we got to pray for our country man pray for the next president i mean you guys haven't given up yet have you some of you are like i've given up manny you know, and yeah, we don't look to a man necessarily to save us. We look to Jesus, right? But um, leaders can influence uh, for good or bad. And uh, I, I don't know what would happen if we end up with some of these people. I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm moving <laughs> to Cambodia. <laughs> you know, um, but... Um, you know, in looking at this, you know, what we find is that the Lord, He's been speaking to me. I mean, yeah, nationally, United States of America, um, I think there's an application. But just for me individually, you know, I hear that voice of God and He tells me this is the way I'm supposed to be with my wife. This is the way I'm supposed to be with my son and my daughter. And I get challenges every day. And I can choose whether or not I want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Whether or not I want to listen to God. When he says, Manny, I want you to pray like this. Or Manny, I want you to go visit someone. Or whatever the case may be. You know, I mean, I tell you, you listen. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Who's warning us. You know, I mean, I mean when I see... Him right here, Zedekiah. You're you're like our, you're like our last hope. You're the last king of Judah. Jeremiah's talking to you, but he wouldn't even listen to Jeremiah. Which, and the Bible says it was the mouth of the Lord. You know, so um, you know, reading this right here, what it does to me is that yeah, nationally, but but also personally. The way that he changed his name from Madaniah, which means the gift of Jehovah, to this. This is what Zedekiah means. It means this. Jehovah is 
righteousness. Jehovah is righteousness. Why would a pagan king from Babylon say that Jehovah is righteousness? The only explanation I can think of is that God was trying to tell them something. At the very end, you know, when you're there and and God, He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to spank you. He doesn't want to withhold the blessing. He doesn't want to discipline you. When you're there at that point, as a nation or as a person, you got to know this. God is holy. God is a holy God. So why would you check out a chick? Never. A guy should never do that. You should never look again. Never. Never justify it. Why would he drink? Why would he get drunk? Why would he get high? Why would he speak to his family member with such disrespect? Why would you get violent? You come to that place. Jehovah God is a holy God. You know, and we have to know this. God speaking to them through a pagan king. And this truth is so important. You know, the the thing that's very important for us as Christians is to have a biblical view of God. A, a biblical view. So, you know... And a lot of times, you know, you're talking to people and uh, um, their hearts are broken, you know, uh, valid reasons and perhaps their heart needs to be comforted. But then there are others whose hearts are hard and their hearts need to be corrected. You know, the broken heart, they, yeah, we need to emphasize the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. But the one who's hard, uh, they need to understand the holiness and the righteousness and the judgment of God. You know, maybe even, and I, I know this is difficult, you know, but maybe you might even be here and you're being disciplined and you don't, you don't realize it. And God's trying to get your attention and you're not, you're not, you're not giving him the attention. He's trying to Weed out the wickedness. He's trying to, to break you of your rebellion, you know? And, I mean, that's what the discipline is intended for, you know? I mean, God is a good God, and I believe that when He disciplines us, He'll tell us He's disciplining us, and it's, it's for our own benefit. Hebrews 12 talks a lot about that. It says, whomever the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He chastens us, right? And so... Really, talking to us as a nation, talking to me, talking to us personally, really pray that we would take heed to this. Um, to know the, the love of God, yes, but to know the, the discipline of God in that love. To know His holiness, to know His righteousness. I mean, when God revealed Himself to Moses... And I always go back to this. Because remember Moses said, I want to see you. I want to see your face. I want you to reveal yourself to me, right? And so God said, okay, go over there. And he tucked him in a cleft of a rock. And then he passed by him. And then Moses was able to see his afterglow. But you guys remember what the Lord said, right? In Exodus 34, 6 and 7, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, 
merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And so we're like, well, I like that God. You know, I like that God, forgiving, forgiving and merciful and gracious and loving. And no, oh, I like that God. And there are some churches or some people that that's the only part of God that they ever talk about. And, and we, we can't be that way because that's the sentence isn't finished. He goes on and he says this, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And what that means is that your sin will affect your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And, and God doesn't just let it slide. What does the Bible say? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You sow sin, you will reap that sin. You sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. Every time. God will forgive you, but um, you know the consequences of that. So, when I when I when I when I think of that, to me it just strikes fear into my heart. Lord, I fear you. I I don't want to sin against you. And and yeah, we fall short, but we try not to. We really do. You know, um this morning I was listening to a study by Pastor Chuck and I was so blessed by uh Psalm eighteen thirty five. I love this verse. Um it says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation, your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. And that was David. It was beautiful. Your gentleness has made me great. You know, and I was thinking about the Lord. He says he's gentle, huh? He's a gentle giant. Um, I'm so glad about that. In one sense, we can say he's the lamb, right? But is that all he is? He's not just the lamb. He's also what? The lion. Do you know that about God? Do you fear Him? Do you fear Him? Treat your wife right. Because that's God's daughter. Treat your, your, your husband right. That's, that's God's son. Treat your children right. They are not yours. They belong to God. You know, I mean, we could just go and we can just talk about the things that that we think that God doesn't see and he sees everything and we think we're not suffering as a result of our sin and yet you are. You know, the broken heart needs to know God's love and grace and comfort. He needs to know the lamb, but the hard heart needs to know God's holiness and and judgment and, and correction and that's the lion. And at this time... The people of God were very, very, very hard-hearted. And Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And there we read again in verse 12 those terrible words. We read over and over again. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. And he, and he didn't humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet 
who again spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And that means something. I mean, he rebelled against the king of Babylon. He stiffened his neck. He hardened his heart. And notice what it says right there at the end of verse 13. He hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. I mean, that's all you got to do. You know, if, you know you're, you're tempted and, and whatever it might be with pornography. And, you know, God is just saying, well, turn to me. You know, you're tempted with sexual sin. I mean, God is saying, just turn to me. I mean, we can't fool God. He loves us and he wants us to live that life. You know, the leaders, we read there in verse 14, the priests and the people, it says they transgress more and more. And, you know, and it's so sad when the leaders go bad. Jesus said it's the blind leading the blind. You know, if you're in a position of leadership, man, that's a heavy responsibility. Um, and I would even say that to leaders in the home. But it also applies, obviously, to leaders in the church. I was thinking about that passage over in Hosea. If you want to turn there real quick. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea 4 and verse 6. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, and what this, you'll see that verse throughout the book of Hosea, that, those, that the sentence, it means that they don't know the Lord. It's not Bible knowledge, it's not intellectual stuff, it's just that they're not really into this relationship that's intimate with me, you know, the, to know the Lord, right? He says there in verse 6, because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The more they increased, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their heart on their iniquity. And it shall be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. And, and what we find right here, you guys, is uh, the people, the priests, God saying, because of you, man, they've gone the wrong way. Notice again there, because you have forgotten the law of your God. And so for us, um, I, I know for us as leaders and pastors and overseers, you know, man, we really got to make sure that we're doing our best to abide in Christ and to live a life that's pleasing to Him. And so what happens next? Back in Second Chronicles 36, we read in verse 15, And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by His messengers, rising up early and sending them. Why? Because He had compassion on His people and on His dwelling place. That's in reference to the temple, Right? But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. God warned them, right? 
and and they didn't listen. And so we read there at the end after all this, and when that talks about them rising early, it could be literally that they were, you know, waking them up early in the morning. But really in the Bible, what that's in reference to is like the eagerness of God. Like I really, I want to make sure that they get this message of warning, right? And they just mocked. Um, they didn't listen until they had crossed the line to the point where it says there in verse 16, there was no remedy. Now the Hebrew word translated remedy has been defined as medicine or treatment for a disease or injury. Um, we would probably use the word more like along the lines of cure. There was no cure for these people. They became incurable. And that's a heavy place. As a matter of fact, the Amplified Bible, it says there was no remedy or healing. Now, so with that concept of healing, remember uh, Jehoiakim? We mentioned him earlier. His name meant whom Jehovah heals, right? And then I thought of Second Chronicles 7.14. Remember, in this very book, in chapter 7, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal, heal their land. And so you're here today and you're like, man, that's God's promise. Right here they reached a point where there was no longer any healing. And are we there already? Are we there now? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I would say um, that we have to go back to the Lord who heals. I would say that we should practice Second Chronicles 7.14. And you might be here, well, I don't know if I want to do that because you know what? I don't know if everybody else is going to do it. You know, and I would just say, let it begin with, with you. Let it, that revival begin with you, with me. And then let's see what, what God does. I believe he's doing a great work. I, I really do. But um, it, it's got to be, be real and there has to be an urgency in our life. You know, that's God's heart. He wants to heal you know, he really does. Otherwise, um, the, the one translation says the Lord's anger could no longer be restrained and nothing could be done. You know, people sometimes they get upset with God when he brings discipline and judgment. Um, but prayerfully, we can see here in reading this that his heart is not a heart that enjoys doing this. I mean, notice we read that he has compassion for the people, and notice how even here how he warns the people. But tragically, their sins had reached the heavens, and so there was no other way out. You know, you guys are a pretty good group. You know, I, I don't know exactly where you're at with the Lord, but if there is anyone here who is living in sin, I want you to know this. God loves you. God wants to bless you. But you just need to get your life right. You need to be broken. And whatever it is that, you know, has been, man, holding you back from him just being able to open the windows of heaven and bless your life. Proverbs 29.1, it says, He who is often rebuked 
and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. So that's what we're talking about right here, without remedy. Well, I've been doing it for, you know, 17 years now. What's the big deal? Well, what that means is that one day, boom, it's going to happen. If you're living in presumptuous sin. I think the best thing I can tell you is this, because I don't want to sound weird. You better listen to the Holy Spirit. If there is anything in your life that the Holy Spirit is saying, that right there is wrong. Stop it. You better listen to the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to do. And it's very important because the, what is 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And there were people that were going to church, taking communion, you know, no big deal. I don't need to get my life right. Yeah, you do. You got to get your life right to the core. Today, for the first time, I was praying for my family. And I don't know why I never thought of this before. I was praying for the, the coroneas. And I was like, hey, to the core, the coroneas, Lord. To, you know, to the heart, you know. <laughs> and and I'm, I mean, I'm saying, you know, because sometimes you get people and they just say religion. It's just, I go, you know, I'll go and, you know, you know whatever, the once a week thing. And no, we're talking about Real, real with the Lord, right? To the heart. Corazón, right? And so we read in verse 17, this is what happens. Therefore he brought against them the the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. And then they burned the house of God. They broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. You know, and I don't know, I know this sounds kind of weird, but any of you parents here, do you ever discipline your children? You ever do that? Okay, good job, good job, okay. <laughs> You know, do you ever like do this? Like, you know what? You can't go out for, you know, two weeks. You ever do that? You know, or two years. You're grounded for two years, you know. (laughs) You know, the Lord does that. And isn't that, that's kind of a a trip. I don't know if you ever thought about that. 40 years. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because of what you did for 40 days. Think about that. Okay, you're going to be in, in captivity for 70 years because of the times that you didn't let the land rest. And I'm going to do my math. And the Bible says seven times. And Leviticus said, if you do this, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be seven times. What if that, that was going to happen to us? You know, like if you keep doing what you're not supposed to be doing? What if? I mean, I'm just saying it's biblical. God said, 
Seven years. Famine. I mean, God is good. And he's wise. And he has his hand on the thermostat on the calendar. And, you know, everything is in his his hands. But I just pray that we would be a church that, that knows his love. We know his love. But we also know his holiness. That we would know him as the lamb. He will forgive you of any sin. His blood is strong. He'll wash it away. Don't let the enemy condemn you. But, but neither let him deceive you into thinking that God winks at wickedness because he doesn't. We have to, you know, we've got to do our best to walk circumspectly, you know? I mean, here we see what happened, and it's just crazy. You read Lamentations, and the women were raped, and just awful things that took place here. And, and someone said, well, how could God do this? So when, well, it reminds me of that time when David had numbered the people, and the Lord had told Nathan, go talk to David and tell him he's got three options, you know, and, and uh, you know, whether it be the, 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 the Lord or the man or just natural disaster, so to speak. And David said, I just want to fall into the hands of the Lord, not the hands of men, because I know the hands of men, they'll be ruthless. Well, in this case, they fell into the hands of men. And the Babylonians just tore them up. And that's what happened. They were there for 70 years. Um, and it's interesting when you read the scriptures over in uh, Jeremiah 25, 9 through 12, Jeremiah 27, 6 through 8, Jeremiah 29, 10. I mean, it specifically gave 70 years. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. God predicted that through Jeremiah, and Daniel was reading that in Daniel 9, verse 2, and so he said, well, the time is almost at hand, and so he prayed Bible, and it's kind of cool how they were able to use the scriptures specifically for that. But as they're there, and uh, the 70 years come to an end, we close with a word of hope. Look at verse 22. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. We might as well start the book of Ezra while we're here, huh? No, I'm just joking. I wouldn't. It just it goes right into the book of Ezra, right? And to me, it's kind of cool, you guys, that, that the Lord ends this actually on a good note. Heavy discipline, heavy discipline. But they were his people, right? And, uh, and, and, and they remained his people. Yeah, some of them probably didn't go to heaven. But as a nation, they were still his people. And so after 70 years, what? They would come back to the land. It's interesting when you read Isaiah 44, 28 and Isaiah 45, verse 1. Uh, the Lord had prophesied through Isaiah the exact name of the individual who would one day issue the decree for the people 
to return. And that's really an amazing, amazing prophecy when you look at that, when God called them even by name. But just like so many of the Psalms, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when you read through the Psalms, a lot of times it's like, oh, it's so bad, Lord, it's so bad, Lord, it's so bad. And at the very end, it's like, oh, thank you, Lord, for delivering us. You know, and so what I would say is that you guys would know that uh, don't sin because God's a holy God. If you do, he's going to discipline you. And if you're being disciplined, let that discipline have its work. Come back to the Lord. Come back to Jesus Christ. He's trying to get your attention. And as you come back to him, I want you to know this. He will forgive you and he will bless you and you would never thought, but he lets you return to the land and rebuild Jerusalem. Man, it's so cool how, how good our God is. Now, I think I've told you guys this story before, but you know, when you find yourself in discipline and, and things like that, you know, understand God's trying to get your attention. Don't think it's a bad thing. There was a little boy who had a little boat. And uh, and I guess one day he was playing with his little boat out on the pond. And it just a little gust of wind took it. And it, it started floating away. And so the little boy, he can't go out, doesn't know how to swim. And so there's a man on the other side of the lake who starts throwing rocks at the boat. Starts throwing rocks at it, right? And so the boy was kind of like what what are you doing you know mister you're gonna sink my boat but but then the little boy noticed that what was happening was the rocks that were being thrown they were making ripples that finally pushed the boat back to the shore and into the little boy's hands you see and and many times when we stray from god it kind of looks like you know he's throwing rocks at us right but but the reality is, this is God's heart. He's really using those rocks. He's really using those ripples to bring you home again. To maybe bring you to a place that you've never been. A really deep and committed follower of Jesus Christ. Let God have his way. Let's learn from these things that the Bible says they're written for our own admonition, our own warning. You guys, let's learn from this heavy chapter. Oh Lord, I thank you so much for for being a God of love and grace and forgiveness, Lord. I just thank you for being a God of holiness. I know, Lord, and I've heard it taught the holiness is your overriding attribute. And so, Lord, I pray that we would know that, that your people would be blessed because, Lord, my prayer for myself and for them that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we would desire to live a life that would truly be pleasing to you. I pray that not only for us individually, for us as a congregation, But Lord, here we are uh, praying even for our nation, Lord, and just asking, Lord, that you would bring a revival to the United States of America, a nation that I believe, Lord, you founded. And Lord, I know it sounds like a big thing, but let it begin with me. Please.
please, Lord. I love you. I thank you. I pray we would all have that heart. Let it begin with us. Heal our Lord. Or we pray. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.